Would you rather have goatee, evil Star Trek Barack Obama or Donald Trump as president? And remember, evil he's Obama. as smart and talented as Barack Obama, but evil. I would go with evil Barack Obama. Me too, right? Yeah. Maybe Barack Obama should star in the next Star Trek series. I would watch that. That would guarantee you good ratings. Yeah, it would. It would. So welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Mike. We are recording on the evening of Wednesday, April 19th. Today is day 90 of the resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So um, we don't have Andrew here this week to uh, yep. steal our to steal our best and worst. I know, I is, feel much more relaxed. Yeah, it, it is. It's... Um, do you want to start us off? Uh, sure. So for me, as always, there was a lot of bad to uh, choose from, but the one that really struck me was um, the Carl Vinson, the 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 Donald Trump not being sure where one of our aircraft carriers was, and potentially lying to South Korea about where it was in a sort of a high stakes situation. So I didn't like that. To be fair, I'm not sure he realized he was lying. well that comes up with him a lot where it's like if you don't know anything can you lie but um and then on the good side of things for me i thought the john ossoff result in the georgia sixth district was heartening so you know obviously it would have been really great if he had just won it outright but i think the way he performed was still heartening yeah it was not it was not quite best case scenario but it that would have been extremely difficult it would have been very, very hard. And I actually think he has a, a chance to win the runoff election. He seems and like a very solid candidate. The points swing, even if he didn't, right? Even if it was just this result and then he loses a close runoff race, that Valuable would still, still represent a step in the yep. right direction for that district compared to historical. For sure. I think we'll we'll get into that some more in a minute, I'm sure. Um, so for me, I'm going to go with the worst of the week. Um, is Trump calling the president of Turkey, Erdogan, to congratulate him on winning this referendum that happened earlier this week, which gave him close to dictatorial powers. This is the uh, leader of Turkey. The president of Turkey, yeah. yeah. Um, while basically simultaneously the State Department was releasing um, the statement you know, talking about how this was very troubling and that the vote was probably rigged. And, and this and is so a big on. problem that the Trump administration keeps having is just like a bunch of different people saying totally different things. Well, yes. I mean, and that is a big problem in and of itself. But I think it's a huge problem to have the president of what is supposed to be the shining beacon of democracy in the world. Well, I think we're, that's all over with now, don't you think? <laughs> well, at least temporarily. Yeah, but, temporarily. Uh, congratulating a dictator on becoming more entrenched as dictator. It just does not seem appropriate. I have a better joke. I should be like, I should be like, what, Angela Merkel called him? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so in terms of best, um, I'm going to go with uh, today's uh, news from this morning, when we found out that uh, Jason in the House, Chaffetz, is not going to be running for re-election in 2018 for family reasons. Yeah. 
I suspect that those family reasons may be connected to the 6th District in Georgia. Well, so you mentioned we're going to talk about the 6th District in Georgia. We could just dive right into that. I think so. Um, So, I mean, this was my best news of the week. And I think it was... It was always going to be a difficult thing to win it outright. And he won 48.6% of the vote, which is really good. And it is a huge swing from how Tom Price did. This was Tom Price's district. This was Newt Gingrich's district. Johnny Um, Isaacson. This is, they keep calling it a ruby red district, which just makes me think of grapefruit juice on the news. No Democrat had gotten above the low 30s in that district in you know, 25 years. And for me, this is a really interesting um, test case for how the media reports these things, because the spin from the Republicans has been to try to cast this as a shameful and a devastating loss for the Democrats. Yeah. And they've been out in force, you know, spinning it that way. And I feel like the media has been going along with it more than I would like, because. Um, yeah, I mean, not all, not all of them. Uh, there was a pretty good article in the Times, um, and 538 had had yeah. some pretty good analysis. Um, because the fact of it is, yeah. this is a huge swing from the result, the recent result from 2016. Not the Trump result, but the um, House oh, The race Trump result was, was weird. Um, this actually mirrors quite closely the Trump result. Yeah, so Hillary, I believe, got 46.8%. Yeah, we're, we're right in that same neighborhood. So he did do better than Hillary yeah. did, which is, I think, notable as well, though she had done quite well already. She did a lot better, you know, just as it is for him, her, she made up a lot of ground in that district compared to what one would have so expected. So it's, it's apparently not a strong Trump district. No, and it wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it to be. It's apparently a very highly educated suburban district. So you're, what you're saying is that uh, highly educated people do not like Donald Trump. Well, first of all, highly educated people skew Democratic generally, and um, yeah, it has. It is, they, I mean, yes, they don't vote for <laughs> they don't yeah. vote for Donald Trump at the same. And also, you know, just the the character of the area is. Though they do tend to vote in large numbers for Republican Congress people. Um, yeah, and well, uh, and clearly they, you know, I mean, we are sort of highlighting the positive here, but it, you know the fact that the Republicans as a group won over 50% of the vote versus the Democrats as a group who ran in this primary. So it remains a Republican district seem, you know, for now. Yep. It's still a red district. Um, but you know, normally the Republicans win close to 70%. Normally we wouldn't even be hearing about this right. in the news. The, normally this would be nothing. This would be a layup for Republicans to win. Now, this. You know, it's, there was a lot of money. Yes, there was for John Ossoff. Um, you know, it started, I think, with Daily Coast. I think they he raised... had the good fortune of being the sort of first opportunity to organize against Trump in a in an election. And he he seemed like a fairly desirable candidate. He's young, and he seems to be articulate. Arti- yeah. <laughs> You know, remember when Joe Biden was talking about Barack Obama? He's articulate right. and clean. Right, but this, it's okay to say that about John Ossoff because he's white. Yes. Right. Although apparently yeah. he doesn't live in the district, which I'm like, guys, let's come on. 
Yeah. Get that figured out. I mean, he's from there, so it doesn't seem like a big problem. Like, he's not a carpetbagger, but... Yeah, it seems like... Go ahead and live in the district. More like a Republican talking point than anything. I know, but, I mean... Like, it's one thing if you're running for Senate and you're not living in the state. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's... That's real bad. Yeah, that's not great. Um, And I've been interested in his messaging, too. Like, he, um... I think we're going to see a lot of this in the following the Bernie thing of people sort of trying to have it both ways, like running against Trump very much, but also running against the institutional Democratic Party a little bit. Yeah, although he does not identify as a Bernie. No, no. But I just mean there's this outsider strategy that has appeared to be more. you You didn't see a lot of that, like even, you know, 2004, 2008. Well, it was very effective in this case at raising small dollar donations. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for this portion of the um, of the election, he had I think seven point five million dollars. I think he had eight point three. By the end, wow, that's well, that's a lot of money. I mean, which is can... a gigantic amount of money compared to what you again these special elections yeah. in these non-competitive districts usually don't draw very much fundraising at all. They don't usually and, draw robocalls from the president. You know, like, there was a lot more heat here than usual. And he's clearly going to be raising a lot more money before the runoff in June. Yeah, uh, which, again, I, I think that he could win the runoff in June. I know that I we're... I think so, too. The I mean, sort it's of conventional not, wisdom is that we should give up on that, but I don't think no. so. I mean, it's not as if the top vote-getting Republican did tremendously well. No, and she also was not... The dynamic of the Republican primary was sort of who can distance themselves from Trump the most without right. explicitly well, making there, it clear. Well, that was something. I mean, there were 11 Republican candidates, and most of them did distance themselves from Trump. A couple didn't. There was one who was handpicked and, by Corey Lewandowski, who <laughs> did terribly. That's um, couldn't happen to a nicer campaign manager. I know. In the low single digits, but this woman, I think her name Halder, or or something like that. Um, she, um, well, I have a few things to say about her, but you know, she didn't break twenty percent, and as you mentioned, she she did not align herself with Trump at all. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, Trump's going to be in Atlanta soon um, if she shows up to that event. Well, his approval rating is terrible. So, I mean, yeah. if if I'm advising a candidate, I definitely wouldn't try to attach myself to him very much if I could avoid it. She, she's a fairly notorious figure already. Um, she was a board member of the Susan uh, Komen Foundation. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, and she had to resign after, I mean, she was basically forced out after she basically sicked the Susan Komen Foundation on Planned Parenthood. Was that her who did that? Yeah. I remember that. I remember when Pl- Susan G. Komen came for Planned Parenthood. Bad. But that, so I, I didn't realize that about her. So yeah. that's a sort of notorious event yeah, and for I, a certain I, section of the left. I think that in the runoff, now that she is the opponent, right? It's not just, but you know, in the this election, it was all about getting Ossoff's numbers as high as possible, but now... Well, and also, the Republicans already went negative on him, whereas right. the Democrats didn't go negative on anybody, because I mean, there were too many. Point. Right, yeah. yeah. But now so I now we actually gonna, can do some opposition. Some 
So the, the, she's a target-rich environment. Yeah. Um, so it'll be it'll be really interesting. Um, and I think we have an, a special election coming up in Montana next. Man, if we could just get a special election in like a friendly place, that would be yeah. nice. Well, we had one in in the Delaware uh, State Senate. And, won that one. Uh, we won that one. That was that was that was important because it also swung control. It was the swing vote for control of the of yeah the but Senate. states i mean yes it matters the state senate is important but i'm talking about national level stuff but of course most of these are tied to um administration appointees so they're going to be mostly people from deep red do you remember territory. when people used to encourage barack obama to appoint a republican to like he did he had a republican secretary of defense where have all those people been telling trump to appoint a democrat uh, well, I guess technically Gary Cohn is a Democrat. Why is there, or I guess Jared Kushner, if you believe Steve Bannon. Right. Why are uh, the only kinds of voters that were allowed to write long think pieces about white working class voters in rural areas? Yeah, that's something that I've seen come up quite a bit recently. Um, Nicole Wallace, who we were talking about earlier, who is now a, um, a reporter for... NBC has been traveling around the country to white rural areas to talk to two-time Obama voters who've then voted for Trump and has been getting a fair amount of blowback from, you know, everyone else being like, um, could you spend maybe a little bit of time and effort um, talking to all of the people who are terrified and horrified at um, well, yeah. Where's that... there? Where's our articles about inner city, you know, people who work in retail, people who work in the fast food, you know, services industries? Let's see some articles about how they're doing and what they think about all. You know, why is it? Yeah, it's like every has every coal miner in West Virginia been interviewed yet? Like, what are we doing? How, what about all those the people living in the war zone of Chicago? Which actually, from what I gather, people don't really mind it. Like, Chicago's crime rate actually isn't that high when you compare it. I mean, it's going in the wrong direction. It's higher than it should be, but I'm just trying to... It's like some things are... It's fine to stereotype. Like, we can just say, oh, Chicago is like a war zone. But then other places were like, oh, we should really go and listen to every concern of the guy in the diner. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I did see Kenyan. some... One person who did do actually what I just suggested is uh, Chris Hayes, the MSNBC well, host. Yeah. He went and hosted... Because he's from Chicago. Um, and he went and hosted a few town halls in some uh, really underserved neighborhoods in Chicago. And uh, the people there are really hurting. Um, yeah, they need help too, but on, we, where are the think pieces? number of lo- different levels. Um, oh, man. So this was this is the Georgia 6 special election portion of the show. Um, yeah, so I, I still, honestly, I think probably he won't win, but he's, he might. We should certainly try. But, you know, as you have stated, um, regardless of what happens, you know, I, it, it, and honestly, the actual outcome of this, it's a special election. It doesn't, it's not going to swing the house one way or the other. Um, <laughs> you know, right. One, right. one seat is so not going to. The outcome 
in a certain sense, almost doesn't even matter that much. It's it's more about um, the, what trend it sh- can show us. For and, me, the Kansas one is actually yeah. more important because I agree. What I'm hoping to see, I would love to see these political consultants who. Um, I think the DNC has been pursuing the wrong strategy by t- by trying to choose certain races to target and then ignoring all the other ones. And I, you know, I think it's been um, a problem for recruitment. We pursue a, a more Howard Dean. Yeah, I think we should contest every election, and so I totally even agree. so, yes, you'll definitely lose some of them. But like, it's it would be, it would be like if you're a basketball team and you figured out what teams you were likely to beat, and you only went to those games. You know well, that. That actually would make more sense because there you, you would be resting players for. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like you've right. got to you've got to contest every opportunity because you never know, right? You never know. No one expected the Kansas race to be anywhere close to the narrow and, margin. And with Republicans, there's always, particularly if you're contesting it and you're doing research on your opponent, there's a, a decent chance you're going to find out that they've done something horrible in their past. Well, a lot and, of these uh, districts have really low-hanging fruit of people who have been running unopposed. You know, there was a district, I forget what state it was in, but during the 2016 election, there was a district that Hillary Clinton carried the district, but there was no, there democratic, was no candidate. democratic candidate for the House. That is really shameful. Which is so stupid. So, you know, and you never know. So you just have to run everywhere. But but this is a good segue to... to yeah. um, we were going to talk about a certain Republican who has decided not right. to run for re-election. Right. So um, one of my most favorite Republican Congress congressmen. When I call his office, his staff was – they are very polite. Well, that's, that's good to hear. You know, the people from Utah are often very polite. I mean, I can tell that they th- believe that I'm wasting their time, but they're very polite. Well, that's okay. Um, so we're talking about Jason Chaffetz. Uh, the congressman from Utah. The man who, who promised that there would be endless investigations of Hillary Clinton before she was not even elected. And then once Trump was elected, he said, you know, well, I forget the quote, but he was like, hey, you know, it's not really our job to be investigating the president all the time. How would we ever get anything done? He has actually since proposed some more investigations on Hillary Clinton. <laughs> it's like he only knows how to do one thing. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> For those out there who don't understand why he can do that, he is the um, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, which is one of the most powerful positions in the House. Um, There's got to be a joke here about like the two meanings of oversight. Like, in a tragic oversight, he is the chairman of the House Oversight okay. Committee, something like that. Something better than that, hopefully. Well, I don't think it was an oversight on the part of the Republicans. He's exactly no, they wanted a stooge. Yeah. To be there, who could just keep prosecuting Hillary Clinton indefinitely. This is a man who, some of you may remember, uh, when the infamous Access Hollywood tape of Donald Trump came out, he, that night, went on every cable news show that he could find to announce that he was withdrawing all support for Donald Trump uh, because he could not possibly look his wife and daughter in the eye and support a man who who said things like this. Who would be caught on tape saying those right. things about women. Approximately <laughs> um, two or three weeks later, he re-endorsed him. Well, so yeah, this for me, that I, I, I'm, I was surprised by this because it seemed like if he ran for re-election, he was very likely to win. And um, so I was surprised. You know, sometimes when people are going to resign, it's either because they're old, which he's not old, or because their district changes in some 
way and that, that it would be a much harder race they might not win so i was trying to figure out why he wouldn't want to be reelected and one thought i had was it's possible that he doesn't like trump like you know part of his job is to support and help trump as a republican in the house although he doesn't have to do that but that's how they regard their job um but it's possible he really doesn't like doing that um and then it's possible he saw the Georgia 6 results and, and realized it might be more difficult for him to get reelected than was expected. Yeah, I mean... Or he just wants a, money. That would be the you, third. You have a typical pattern where um, the where you have the party of the sitting president, um, and the sitting president is unpopular, and you, you get a lot of retirements, particularly in the House. Yeah. Because Congress people kind of are reading the tea leaves and think that there's a pretty decent chance that they might lose and want to spare themselves uh, the indignity of that loss. It's a lot better to resign than to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, it, but as you say, I'm, I mean, granted, I mean, U- Utah is an interesting state politically. Yeah, are, that's, you're not they, kidding. They, and they don't particularly care for Donald Trump. They really, um, they don't like him at all. No, of all no. the Republican steadfast states, they were the one that were the least comfortable with him. But that being said, Chaffetz did still win something like 75% of the vote. Well, uh, that's why I was so surprised. He seemed like he has an overwhelming advantage in his area. Another possibility is that um, he may know of prominent a prominent Republican who might try to primary him. The most obvious... Are you candidate. talking about Mitt Romney? I doubt it would be Mitt Romney. I think the, Mitt Romney's going to run for Senate. Yeah, the, the person I would think of would be um, Evan McMullen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know Jason Chaffetz well enough to be able to game all this out, but I feel like he could really he could pretty successfully beat Evan McMullen in a Republican primary. I guess. I mean, that would be my guess. I don't know. I've not, I wouldn't. I haven't tested it. It's. Uh, it would be. It would be an interesting race. I think. I don't know what's going on with this. I'm still perplexed. I wonder if it's like a Sarah Palin thing where he was just tired of having to do all this, and he, you know, when he steps down, he'll be able to just go become a lobbyist or a consultant or a whatever. I mean, he's a, he's been. He was first elected in 2008, so he hasn't been a congressman for that long. Huh. It depends, right? I mean. If you hate your job, doing it for 10 years is no, a true. lot. But he seemed to really have more fun when he could cause trouble for Hillary Clinton. Maybe that's uh, why. Maybe he was he dreaming have, of ruining President Hillary man. Clinton's life, and now that it's President Trump, he's directionless and sad. Because let, let, Let's remember that, again, that he was, um, he was one of the leading Republicans in the uh, attack uh, during the Benghazi commission oh he was one of the ringleaders of trying to make it (sighs) political issue i don't want to go into the whole benghazi thing but it was really shameful what they did well particularly considering that he voted against or voted for reducing um embassy and consulate security it was a total political stunt um so yeah it's and he's been um Let's say he has not been very well received recently at town hall meetings. Well, no. Yeah. Um, well, the so House Oversight it's... Committee, he, theoretically, he should be exercising some oversight. And here we have 
easily the most corrupt president in the history of the United States, just like going around making calling leaders and getting trademark deals from them and having his children making deals all over the world and then talking to him about it while he's president. I mean, the oversight opportunities are limitless here, and yet what oversight has he exercised? Zero. Nothing. His constituents really coined the now commonplace town hall ref- refrain chant of "Do your job." Yeah, he. Well, he's. Yeah, I've co- I've left that message for him, <laughs> where I've been like, you know, practice a little oversight. But I would encourage anyone listening. You know, he is one of the uh, Congress people that everyone in the country can call because, as the yep. chairman of the House Oversight Committee, uh, he does represent all Americans in that in that role. Um. So yeah, he is a corrupt moron, and so I'm glad that he'll be leaving the house. Well, I don't know if he's corrupt. He's he has no ethics. I don't mean financially corrupt. I guess I mean he's Morally bought into corrupt. this vision yeah. of what the Republican Party stands for, of a party that puts itself above the country. Yes, he theoretically serves. That's the sense in which I meant he was corrupt. A He's a traitor, is what I'm saying. Yes, a a position perfected by Mitch McConnell. Oh, man. The great... He is smart. Anyway, that's not on our outline. No, and Jason Chaffetz is not, I think, so smart. No, he's he's a stooge, like I said before. He's been installed by people smarter than he is to perform a function. But I consider this, in general, to be good news on a number of different levels. Oh, yeah, I mean... A, I can't stand the guy. If he, anytime he leaves the room, yeah. the IQ in the room goes up, even if it was, even if he was the only one in the room. Right, exactly. Um, B, I suppose there's a really tiny chance that he'll feel like with no re-election coming and nothing to lose, that maybe he ought to do his job a little bit. I would let go of that dream. I, I really, yeah. It's a, <laughs> I don't it's a very think, small chance. If he were inclined to do any oversight, I think we would but, know but about it. But see that we are going to end up in 2018, one way or the other, with a new chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Hopefully, it will be a Democrat. Yeah, that would um, be nice, wouldn't it? But... Uh, it's literally impossible to have someone worse. Oh, don't than say Jason stuff Chavis. like you'll tempt fate, right? Like we could end up with some. There's all. It can always get worse. No, I think it's if true. The, if the election of 2016 has taught us anything, it's that it can always get worse. It is actually pretty shameful as a as a person of the Jewish persuasion that I would have even suggested that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. So, um, speaking of people who are shameful, who are leaving, that I'm happy about. There we go. Um, Segway that right up. <laughs> We also had the the wonderful news today that, um, not for the right reasons, but nevertheless, uh, Fox News has severed ties with the Papa Bear himself, Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, the, that's uh, bittersweet to me, because think of what it took. I mean, think of how many years and how many gross <laughs> things and like lawsuits and complaints and payouts. Think of what it took. It was yeah. too much. It shouldn't have taken this much. But what's interesting is that it's not like people didn't know about Bill O'Reilly sexually harassing people. I mean, you'll recall the um, the loofah jokes and the um, the the other. I mean, there, there were there were recordings of highly inappropriate voicemails that he left for women. You know, about yep. ten years ago, um, and it seems like it all came to a head this time as a, a direct result of one New York Times article 
that revealed that Fox News had paid out $13 million in settlements. I to... think that was the precipitating event, but the other big change yeah. is that is, um, Rupert Murdoch is sort of passing control of the company to the next generation of Murdochs. L- Lachlan and Murdoch. And they... There is less of an appetite to... I think they consider the Roger Ailes thing and the Bill O'Reilly thing to be stuff they just don't want to have to deal with as part of their professional work. By all account, they drove the Roger Ailes severing as well. I mean, the stuff he did was so gross. And What he did was even worse. It was just... Well, it was like textbook sexual harassment. Yeah. A pattern of it that went on for years... Multiple people. I mean, it's 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 again like Bill Riley. The level that it had to get to for any consequences to happen is totally ridiculous. Pre- it is pretty clear that um, if this information had not gone public, that neither of these guys would have suffered any consequences. No, because he could bring in ratings. That was another really depressing part of this whole thing to me. Was um, another driving factor. I think was his advertisers were abandoning. You know, people who had advertised yep. on his show were no yeah, were leaving because they didn't want 60, to be associated with him. Over 60 advertisers had pulled their ads. But his ratings actually went up. Yeah. And part of that might be people wanting to tune into the spectacle, but I suspect that there might I mean, you know, I don't know, but it seems that it certainly didn't hurt his ratings and it suggests no. to me that his core audience either didn't care or, in fact, felt like they should sort of rally around him. Support and, him. Yeah. Including, you know, a big fan of his, the president. Well, and the whole thing, one of the themes of this presidency is that uh, they are horrible to women and on issues that are important to women. And, um, you know, there's all those pictures of them signing bills and all that, signing executive orders with only men in the White pictures. Men. White, yeah, it's only well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that one. It's a Republican presidency, yeah. of course. They don't have any people of color, um, but you know, so it all just kind of ties. Together. And in fact, there's a relationship, literally, where Trump has defended Bill O'Reilly. Well, he not only did he defend him, he brought it up like unbidden. I mean, nobody asked him about it. Yeah, he just, he and he said, he, you himself. know, he's like, Bill's a good guy, I don't think he, he should have... He didn't do anything wrong, he said. Right, well, and I th- I mean, I don't know how to tell... It's just old white men who are used to being able to let their misogyny and their sexual lasciviousness and inappropriateness just sort of run wild all over everybody around them. And I think Trump probably doesn't see it as wrong. I'm sure not. I mean, you know, you could... The more... the the benevolent way to interpret Trump's comments is Trump probably doesn't know all the facts and may not believe that really happened. But my suspicion is more that Trump doesn't care. Trump doesn't consider the things that Bill O'Reilly did to be that bad. Oh, I, I think you're certainly right. And it's all on the the backdrop of Trump extremely ironically naming April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I know, it's like it's a cruel joke. I mean, he sort of makes a mockery of all these months. Like, he made a mockery of Black History Month with the Frederick Douglass thing. Yeah. He's, 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 I'm beginning to think he might not be a good president. I don't know. I'm starting to have my doubts. It's going to take a lot to get me there, but. The other. May is going to be Nepotism Awareness Month. (laughs) I'm extremely aware of all the nepotism that's going on. Um. 
So, but I, you know, I, I was pleased to see Billow, you know, have to take a permanent vacation. It will be, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him now. Um, is he going to, is another network going to hire him? Is he going to start a internet-based show? I mean, because he has a huge audience and he does. Yeah, I didn't think about with, that. You know, he Sean could start Hannity. a radio show or something. He'd drive a lot of that right wing. Um, He's got to have enough money, though. Why doesn't he just retire? I mean, he could certainly do that. I, I mean, I wonder if he'll want to come back as a kind of a fuck you, but um, maybe because he considers he certainly doesn't be... seem to be ashamed or chastened at all by this experience. Hardly. Still, though, I mean, on the theme of what we've been talking about so far, it is there sort of moves in the right direction, right? Like, I do think it's a good thing if people get the impression that incredibly gross, rampant sexual harassment is, like, is not good to do and you can lose your job for it. Yeah. People should, people should get that message. I mean, it's... Well, that, that's the most important message, and then the side benefit is that nobody has to listen to him talk for the moment. For the moment. I mean, I never watched his show before, but I gather it was very popular. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. And, you know, it's, I'm sure it was propaganda that was rotting people's brains. So, yeah. Although, from what I gather, uh, he has not been actually nearly as bad as, as Hannity. No one's as bad as Hannity. Hannity's like a robot who was built for the purpose of destroying America, but the robot is too stupid to accomplish its mission, and so all it does is just run around saying nonsense. Wasn't it Bill O'Reilly who criticized Maxine Waters for wearing a James Brown wig? Yeah. He said he couldn't understand what she was saying because he was too distracted by her James Brown wig. Well, now you see what people get if you talk shit about Auntie Maxine. Yeah. You get God. I love her. She's my favorite. She does not pull any punches. No, she's not getting around at all. I love it. Sometimes she says things that I think are even fairly unsubstantiated. Um, Fine with me. But it doesn't bother me because I think they're funny. It is true that Republicans would never say something unsubstantiated. It has never happened. Because (laughs) they are the... The number of examples that are coming to my mind right now is like so many I can't even organize it. Devin Nunes, for example. They are, you know, they're the party of intellectualism. (laughs) Rigor. Uh, I guess they used to think that. They've really abandoned that, though, like that William F. Buckley sort of snobby elitist conservatism is sort of on the way out. Um, so we were going to talk about North Korea. Which um, has been ruled by three dictators. Not at once. No. Well, actually, that depends on who you ask. Oh, really? Because, it, was, well, it, it was Kim so Il-sung first. Kim Il-sung is technically the eternal president ah. of of North Korea. But he's dead. It doesn't matter. He's All right. a god. Fair enough. He's a god. And then his um, insane son, Kim Jong-il, took over for him. And when he died, um, his also insane son, Kim Jong-un, yep. took over and is the current president. And in many ways has been the most brutal, actually, of the three. Somewhat to the surprise of a lot of uh, North Korean experts. It doesn't um, surprise me because it seems like he's trying to prove a point. Like, 
if you're Kim Il-sung, you don't need to do anything to prove to people that you should be in charge. You were there. Because Kim Jong-un, you know, he took over at around age 30, and um, he was considered to be not really ready for prime time, and uh, there was a lot of speculation that his one of his uncles might do away with him and, and take over. And so basically Kim Jong-un just had everyone who could possibly threaten him killed. All along I've been wondering what's going to happen when an actual crisis happens, because Trump is doing such a terrible job. But so the right. North Korea situation is getting a little bit a little bit hot, a little bit complicated. So into this difficult diplomatic circumstance we get Donald Trump, and um, there's a quote. Donald Trump was recently talking about North Korea, and he has, th- he has recently threatened on multiple occasions to preemptively bomb them for this and that. Yeah, and so, so here's Donald Trump on the North Korea situation, and he says, I hope things work out well. I hope there's going to be peace. But, you know, they've been talking with this gentleman for a long time. You read Clinton's book, he said, oh, we made such a great peace deal, and it was a joke. You look at different things over the years with President Obama. Everybody's been outplayed. They've all been outplayed by this gentleman, and we'll see what happens. But I just don't telegraph my moves. And so there's the, so much to unpack. Oh God, here. there is. But my favorite thing is that you, you, from that quote, it seems pretty clear that Donald Trump doesn't know the name of the person who is leading North Korea, but also that he thinks it's the same person when Bill Clinton was president and when Barack Obama is president. But it was actually two different people at those two different points in time. Yeah. Or, as you said, it was Kim Il-sung the whole time. Right. (laughs) Along with Kim Il-sung. Kim Il-sung died in 1994. So, um, from the Clinton administration onwards, um, we have dealt with all three North Korean leaders. I assume I, I I don't know if this is right, but I was assuming that the Clinton deal that he's referring to was made. With- uh, it was with Kim uh, Jong Il. Um, so yeah, that was he. I don't know if he knows what he's referring to, but what he is referring to um, were uh, when we reduced sanctions on North Korea and provided them with food when they were going through uh, an absolutely horrendous famine in return for them allowing UN inspectors um, to come in and uh, dismantle and inspect their nuclear program. Um, So, I mean, one of the ironies of his statement is that he left out uh, President Bush, the intervening president, and one of the main reasons that North Korea was able to develop their nuclear weapons program was because we got a little bit distracted during the Bush administration by um, by Iraq and by the voluntary you know, and disastrous war in Iraq, and so we didn't follow up that much on um, on North Korea. Um, but so, and then the other, there is another part of this North Korea thing that is that is bothering me, which is that um, Trump said that the aircraft carrier, the Carl Vinson. And it's attendant. Well, aircraft carriers never fleet. go, never travel by themselves. They have no. a whole support fleet with them. Um, he said that he had directed it to go back, to go into that area, to go to the Sea of Japan and be around. And it was meant to be a show of force, a show of support for North Korea. The South only Korea. problem is, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to make sure that 
Kim Jong Un knew we, <laughs> we were supported. there for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, we do want to make sure he knows that we're there for him, yeah. but not. Um, but yes, to support South Korea and and sort of symbolize our commitment to taking care of them as our ally. And so the only problem with all of this is that the the aircraft carrier wasn't where he said it was, and it and wasn't was going, going in, in the that direction. direction that he said it no. was going. And you know, there's he 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 promotes this idea that of himself as using sort of strategic obfuscation. You know, he he talks a lot about not wanting to tell people what the plan is. But he did this all throughout his campaign. This this seems a lot more like he just didn't know what was going on. And there's also chain of command issues because he is the one who should he, theoretically the president would direct where the forces would be. And so if they weren't there, was it that he did he never told anybody or was it that he told somebody but it didn't happen? You know, it it is it's disturbing to think that It's very unclear. I mean, there's so much that's unclear here. Um, or he might have just said it off the cuff because it sounded yeah. strong and cool. And then did the DOD not want to make him look bad so they didn't correct it? Or, you know, what was going on? I have no idea. Ordinarily, we, we don't talk about where the aircraft carriers are at or where they're going. Yeah. To I can say it more clearly. The issue is when you say our ship is going to go to a particular place to show strength and support for our allies... It is important that the ship go to that place. Yes. <laughs> like, it, you know, you, what you don't want to do, and I feel like Trump is doing this more than he really realizes, is you don't want to say you're going to do something, but then just back down immediately or not do it or do something different or just act as if you never said that. I'm going on and on about this. The other way he irritated me was that he talked about the submarines, which this yeah, is this just I like have a, much more of a problem with the talking about where they are than the aircraft carriers because yeah. m- most major countries now can follow aircraft carrier groups with their spy satellites. They're very big. I mean, aircraft, yeah. it's hard to hide it. We don't have a stealth aircraft carrier yet. No, no. But submarines, to you know, contrary to popular belief, generally are underwater. Most of They're their life is spent underwater. They're like whales yeah. that way. So I, I interrupted you, though. Oh, well, I mean, I think we're just heading to the same yeah. thing. You know, I, it... I assume that people assume that there are submarines with aircraft carrier groups, because of course there are, because you really don't want your aircraft carrier getting torpedoed, and so you, you know, it makes sense. But it's one thing for everybody to assume that, and it's another thing for the president to confirm, not only to confirm that the submarines are there, but also he talked about how the submarines were more powerful than the aircraft carriers, which is like a really weird thing to say and it's it's like we just shouldn't we just shouldn't say anything about the submarines. The other problem here is what is North Korea supposed to think, right? They've got the president saying he's sending a carrier strike group at them. And you've got the Secretary of State saying that uh the United States is prepared to launch a conventional weapons attack preemptively to prevent a nuclear weapons test by North Korea. Right. And so it's raising the tensions and it's there's there's all these reasons why we haven't been raising tensions with North Korea and they are that millions of people live within artillery range of the border with North Korea in I mean, South you Korea. You could practically throw a rock over yeah. the DMZ and, and you Seoul. know Seoul is this extremely large global city with a large population. 
I feel like it it's South Korea recently <laughs> sort of said they were like, I think Trump is not helping. It's a very, very dangerous situation with a lot of really volatile elements. And I just feel like Trump is blundering around with no yeah. awareness at all. And we haven't gotten even into the Chinese aspect. Oh, my God. Well, not to mention how much I'm I'm really excited and happy that Xi Jinping is the one who's educating Donald Trump about North Korea. <laughs> Heaven forbid he ask the our intelligence and diplomatic agencies for some briefing. Or the South Koreans. Or the South... Yeah, right. They might know something about it. No, we have to... It has to be the president of China. China has a um, mutual defense treaty with one country. The way that we do with, you know, NATO and... Nobody benefits if we start a war with North Korea. Or, as you pointed out, there isn't, there, it never ended. If we re-engage in our war with North Korea, you know, it, it's... I just really hope someone can explain the rudiments of this to Trump enough that he doesn't do something really, really dangerous and evil and stupid. Yeah, I mean, the best case scenario is that we luck through until 2018, we take back the House, um, we neuter Trump as much as possible yes. until 2020, and uh, uh, destroy the Republican Party in the process. So, how are we going to, what's our next thing to segue to? Speaking um, I th- of, I don't know, tax return I, protests? Right, I mean, just, you know, to I think it's important to mention um, Andrew and John were both at uh, protests this weekend. Um, there were protests in conjunction with Tax Day to protest uh, Trump's uh, continuing refusal to release his tax returns. He won't even so, release the tax returns that are due this year, right? which can't be claimed, under audit because right, he, he claimed that they yet. were under audit, even though they hadn't been due yet. So yeah. that was not actually possible. Plus, the audit thing is such bullshit. Like, someone said this to Sean Spicer. They were like, why don't you just admit that you're never going to release the tax? Like, this audit yeah. excuse doesn't make any sense. And, and they just keep saying it. And all and vice presidents' tax returns are automatically audited as well. So, and also, yeah. there's nothing. It's you can release your tax returns if they're under audit. Sure, the IRS has said this multiple times. Yeah, it's it's your information. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. So I mean, ab- ab- absolutely. I think um, this is it's a really good lineup too with their efforts to do tax reform. Yes, and I I, I think it's interesting. There have been some articles about this recently, about the impact that Trump's refusal to release his returns has on the GOP effort to pass tax reform. Well, it's a natural question, right? You can say, hey, what impact would this tax reform have on Donald Trump's personal finances? And it's a very salient question that... And the answer is probably quite a lot. Well, the answer is we have no idea because we don't know anything about the personal finances. Yeah, well, we know a few things. So, like, we know, for instance, he wants to get rid of the alternative minimum tax. And we know that at least in the year that he and Melania were married, that he paid the vast bulk of his federal taxes via the alternative minimum tax. One of the things I keep thinking about is what what is in these tax returns? The political cost of not releasing the tax returns has been substantial, and yeah. I don't know what could possibly be in them that's and so bad. The public relations cost is enormous. I think it'll become a huge obstacle to them trying to pass tax reform because I, yeah. you can just hammer them, you know. And as we get closer to the midterm elections, it'll be it'll write the attack ads right. You know, it's like 
such and such Republican candidate wants to let Donald Trump rewrite the tax code, and we don't even know what it'll do to his personal finance. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, it seems like there could only be a handful of possible answers to your question. I, mean, I literally case... have no guesses that make sense yeah. to me. I mean, the, the best case scenario is that he's not nearly as rich as that he says he is, and he's just so vain about it. Yeah, that is that's a good possibility. You know, like. That's that's like the the most innocent explanation. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense because he is idiosyncratically obsessed with seeming very rich. Yeah. Which it's so crazy that you're the president of the United States. It doesn't matter I mean, how rich. I mean, he's you are. he's rich. We know he's rich. It's like plus who, who cares? cares but he cares a huge amount. Right. Um, but you know, there are obviously um, there's a certain amount of evidence to suggest that he is heavily involved with Russian money. I think that's another um, key contender here is that there's, you know, if his, you look his at his son has yeah. actually said that on the, well, record. or you might find him that he personally is getting a bunch of income from like very, you know, you don't know what you could find, but various financial connections to Russia. And then just the, I think the medium uh, answer is, is just that he could potentially have uh, huge financial conflicts of interest. The other um, contender for explanation is that he paid no taxes for, you know, that that right. through a shady financial arrangement of some kind, he would have avoided. So I, I feel I feel like that that would have been a pretty good reason to not release his taxes before the election. Um, well, this I is what like I was saying before. Any of the yeah. things we've just listed, only the Russia one makes enough sense that I yeah, I mean, with conflicts of interest, it depends on what they are. He doesn't care about conflicts of interest, and he's 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 learned from somebody that the president actually isn't bound by conflict of interest laws, which is true. But but the rest of his family is. Yeah, they are, and so you think he's smart enough to to put all that together? Um, not in so many words, but I do think that uh, he is concerned about the state of the family's finances, you know, Ivanka and Jared and company. It is nice to see people out in the street protesting. I think it really bugs him. Yeah. He, um, I mean, he's certainly been tweeting about it. He did. uh, Yeah. He tweeted and said, you know, we should get to the, like the election's over. We should figure out who's financing these protesters. I I, I want to know who's financing them too because I want in on it. I'm beginning to think that Republican protesters are paid because there's like a universal assumption on their side that all protesters are there because they're getting paid. And yeah. like I've gone to protests and nobody we, nobody's ever gotten paid. No, I would I would enjoy getting paid even though it'd be ter- terribly unethical. Well, and it's just so weird because they're all like, oh, who's paying? And I'm like, why would you assume well, anybody's paying? What's very strange is that it seems like even even some Republicans who I don't think are at all crazy. Um, uh, I don't think that's an empty category. But go on. I know, it's a it's a very it's a very small category, if at best. But uh, right as you say, there's a, a universal assumption. I mean, it's not just Joe Wilson and Donald Trump suggesting that Democrat. Democratic protesters are paid. It's everyone. Yeah, they're they're like, and I don't know whether they've just decided it's a really effective message, you know, to sort of delegitimize protest, or if they really think. Like, I would love to know that. I would love to get an honest answer. I don't think it is very effective. 
messaging. Well, because nobody believes it because it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, I mean just no. even the putting aside that that's crazy, how would you do it? Like, how would you set up the payroll? How, what you know, like, what do they think is happening? How do you report your hours? You know, like, the whole, it's just ridiculous on every level, which keeps happening with Trump, where they make these accusations that are just, it's almost like, well, this is theory about dictatorships is one of the things that they do is they say things that are so obviously untrue that it becomes like a loyalty test to believe them. Like, well, to bring to bring this whole conversation full circle back to the special election, this is yet another reason why we should be contesting every seat. Oh yeah, because we we should be holding all these Republican Congress people accountable for the crazy bullshit that they're saying. Yeah, it, whether they are supporting Trump because they're terrible, monstrous people who believe the things he believes, or because they're cynical functionaries who have decided the Republican Party is more important than the United States of America. We should vote him out. Yep. And get people like Maxine Waters in there. Every single one. Well, so... How are you staying sane, given that we're in a... It's been a, it's been a sort of a hot week, sort of a mixed week with some good news and some bad news. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll say, you know, I was at this... I was at, in the wedding party of um, a very close friend over the weekend, and... Um, you know, it was a reminder that, you know, as we've talked about, that life has to continue um, and uh, we still have to be able to celebrate the good things that happen in our lives um, while not losing sight of the important work that we need to continue to do to, uh, to fight against the intolerance and outright evil of, um, of the Trump administration. Um, but you know, it was it, it was nice to to spend a few hours um, not focusing on <laughs> on uh, on all of the horrible stuff going on, um, and then getting right back to it. Yeah, for me, it was it's it's been a, having a routine. Um, Routines are good. Yeah, just being able to go through the same routine every day. Um, it's one of the things that I enjoy about doing the podcast with you. And yeah, America, it's nice. So. And, like, I do my calls to my representatives, and, you know, I'm aware of the news. I read about the news. And I think Andrew talked last week about being a little worried about feeling like it was the new normal. Um, and and I, I do want to reiterate, I, I, I think it's important It's important for us to live our lives and to to enjoy the good things in our lives. But it's also important for us not to allow ourselves to to feel as if things are normal. Well, there's a uh, difference in my mind between adapting and surrendering. Yes. You know, so way of putting it. we can accept that this is the situation that exists and it, it is. It is and we have to find ways to survive and deal with that as best we can. But that doesn't mean we say I guess this is okay now. You know, just cause because things are a certain not. way doesn't mean they should be that way. And so, you know, I think it's possible to run, run yourself out of energy yeah. if you're not able to adapt. I think that's a fair point. Um, I am in favor of self-care. Well, you know, you can't resist if you're dead. No. 
So um, uh, let's try to avoid that. But um, I don't have a joke here. What did we What did we start at the beginning? What were we what, We had like a little bit of fun with something. Oh, evil, evil. We were doing evil Obama. Right. Yeah. So you know, by 2020, we're gonna have evil goateed President Obama. Do you think? Does that mean yeah. that evil? Is it that you're evil, or are you the opposite? Because, like, if we got goatee George W. Bush, would he be a brilliant yes, he'd be a Rhodes Scholar and ethical person who didn't want to launch an aggressive war? Like, that's interesting. Yeah, well, because they're in the mirror universe, so I think they are they are the opposite. So who's the most evil president there ever was? And we're not counting Trump? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a good one. If we got goatee yeah. Trump, that oh wait, be awesome. Ben. Okay, hold on. <laughs> right. Here's our screenplay. We're gonna be rich, right? It's the crew of the Enterprise <laughs> has to come <laughs> yeah. and they switch Trump with Mirror Universe Trump, yeah. right? And so he has a goatee, and he's like the most intelligent it would, man. It would be a toupee goatee, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's bald. <laughs> yes. But he has that horrible to- toupee on his like for his goatee, <laughs> and he's like he's like a just a wonderful man who Nuanced. cares so much about other other people, and he's selfless and like like he made a bunch of money because he's a brilliant businessman, not like the real guy. But then he gave it all away to charity because he's not acquisitive and he lives in a humble you know man. You could have a lot of fun with that concept very well dressed <laughs> yeah his tie is the right length <laughs> yeah. There's, he, he abhors gold he loves to read yes he can read <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh. We can, this I, I think is... that's a good way, that's a good way to end the uh, I, end agree. The episode, I, I agree I agree I feel saner already yeah that's a good I'm having a good time with that Alright, so thanks for listening to Sanity Check. Make sure to join us again next week. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting.